This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, April 25th, 2023. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serretta. Joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film writer and box office analyst Ryan Scott. Hey, hey, everyone. How's it going? It's been a busy beginning of the week here. Uh, ben is on assignment at CinemaCon in Las Vegas. This is a convention for movie theater exhibitors, and it's where all the studios come and try to get all those folk excited about the movies that are coming out for the next year. Uh, but I'm saying that because we're going to talk a little bit about that in today's episode, but also Ben is away. So there's going to be less ep- episodes this week. So, you know, be warned. Uh, but before we get to CinemaCon, let's start with box office. And I think things kind of uh, <laughs> uh, turned out the way that you had predicted with this one. Ryan, why don't you tell us about the, the weekend box office? Yeah, the only thing that I got a little wrong is that I, I really thought that Evil Dead Rise would come in at least at or just a little above the 2013 Evil Dead. But it was only about a million off. So, But anyway, uh, Super Mario <laughs> Brothers movie, uh, once again. That, that's top- like a humble brag of like, oh, I was wrong. Well, no, it was. It's not that I no, but I was wrong. I fully, fully admit I was wrong there. But, uh, but yeah. So the uh, Super Mario Brothers movie um, uh, had a stellar third weekend. Um, Fifty nine point nine million dollars only dropped thirty five percent in its third weekend. Um, I mean, it is just on a fairy tale run right now. Eight hundred seventy five million worldwide already. Going to cross the billion club by next weekend for sure. Might be looking at a run of about 1.2 billion by the time it's done. So, um, yeah, gonna. I mean, it just an you know more Mario movies, more Nintendo movies. It's happening. Um, but yeah. they haven't officially announced that yet. Like, when are they going to make the official announcement? I don't know. They might. My my guess is that there was probably a contingency for just a sequel in that original contract. But because Nintendo is a co-producer on this, I'm wondering if they're not trying to hammer out something a bit more flashy, where they're like let's let's expand the scope of this deal i'm thinking that my my guess is that that's what's going on mm-hmm. is that they're not just doing like they're not just making a deal for like a mario brothers sequel they're probably going to try to make a deal for a much larger slate of films would be my guess i mean that's a smart guess uh anything else to be said about the weekend box office yes we'll go over it very quickly but um uh evil dead rise was the big uh one of the big new releases uh it debuted to 24.5 million domestically 
which was above estimates. It also uh, did 17.9 million internationally, again, above estimates. Came in at 42 million worldwide. Uh, the Sunday estimates had it at like 40, so it over-indexed even into Sunday, which is really good. Um, so yeah, it's it, given that it had a budget uh, pegged between 15 and 19 million dollars, it's well on its way to profit already. Uh, apparently at CinemaCon today, which we'll talk about in a minute, Warner Brothers uh, uh, was touting the box office on stage. So uh, you know, don't we're not waiting another 10 years for another Evil Dead movie. Uh, I'll I'll say that much. Um, especially because this one is a pretty decent cinema score. The reviews are better than the 2013 one. The audience score is better than the 2013 one. So word of mouth should be good. Um, so yeah, uh, the other one was Guy Ritchie's movie, The Covenant came out this weekend, uh, which was a $55 million war film starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, it debuted to a mere $6.3 million. So not looking great. Uh, no word yet on international, but this is going to be Guy Ritchie's second flop in like six weeks because, uh, Operation Fortune, uh, did very poorly a handful of weeks ago. So Kind of interesting that uh, a guy who's had a lot of hits to his name uh, had two flops back to back like that. Yeah, that is, that is interesting. Uh, and, and also to add what you were saying about Evil Dead, I, I feel like, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm I'm betting that every one of the films in that franchise pulled in a lot of money on home video and VOD. And well, I mean, that's the only reason, like the original <laughs> Evil Dead, the original Evil Dead did well as like a drive-in movie, you know, like relative to, it cost nothing to make. So, you know, they, they were in profits almost right away, but, but the, but yeah, the home video and stuff is, is what drove that over the years. And, uh, same thing, Army of Darkness was not a huge box office hit relative to its, uh, not, uh, you know, budget, but, but again, over the years, over time. So, you know, that's the beauty of keeping your budget slow, everybody. Okay, let's jump to the Fast and the Furious franchise. As you know, Paul Walker is no longer with us. Um, he kind of is not a part of this franchise any longer, although they did kind of have a farewell to him in 7, I think it was. Was it 7? Yeah, it was Furious 7 because they had um, – that was the one he he died in the middle of production of. Uh, so they, like, had his brother kind of body double in the car, and they CGI'd his face on there to sort of say goodbye. Well, we're, we're fastly approaching the, the two-film finale for this franchise, which has made people wonder, like, will we see Paul Walker again? And we do have some confirmation from the director of the new film, Fast X, Louis Gutierrez, uh, that, that he Paul Walker will be in this new film in some capacity. So he told MovieWeb... Um, well, Brian is very much alive in the world of Fast and the Furious, and they've teased him a lot in the previous movies. In 9, we see the car coming. It's something that is planned. He went on to say, this movie jumps back and forth from uh, between the past and the present. You will see Brian in the past. You won't see Brian in the present. It's something that everybody has to be on board with. The Walker family is still very much a part of this franchise. You'll You'll see how in this movie, it just has to be the right moment, the right tone. What, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I feel like I feel like it is a tricky situation because, you know, like his character didn't die. Right. And he yeah. was a huge part of these movies. So it's it's it is really tough to toe that line. And I since this movie is what I do think is interesting is Fast X is like heavily tied to Fast Five. 
so I, it's conceivable that some of those previous movies had like unused footage or something. So maybe they're going to do like a Carrie Fisher type situation where it's like they might take some of that unused footage and, and go back to the past that way. Um, that feels possible to me. But but I do feel like they have been pretty respectful with how they've handled this. So I, I get the sense that they're not going to sort of like throw that all away in favor of some like horrible CGI <laughs> abomination um you know after now so so i i i don't know i i mean it makes sense because you got to kind of acknowledge you got to acknowledge that that character's still out there yeah i know vin diesel has said uh well here's a quote from me says the moment in 2013 when the world was struggling with his loss the studio made a very bold and righteous and daring decision to keep brian alive uh, he told uh, Total Film Magazine, I'll give you this without spoiling anything. I couldn't imagine this saga ending without truly saying goodbye to Brian O'Connor. So I don't know. It, it's I'm I'm getting two things from here. Uh, from director Louis Lutierier, it, it really seems like it, it, it's a flashback. It's I would assume that maybe this is like setting up Jason Momoa's character in some way, like retconning his story in with the, the family and the past of the family in some capacity, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Um, yeah. I mean, th- th- it's not like this franchise has ever retconned anything before. So, you know, I'd be... <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, it, on the other hand, Vin Diesel seems to uh, be saying that we're going to probably see another, you know, a, another current timeline of where Brian is, which I'm well, wondering, but, again, but I think, I think it was in fate of the furious, the eighth one where you kind of saw like Brian on the beach with his kid, but it was like just the back of his head. Like you don't actually see him, you know? Yeah. Like, so I think yeah. that they're they're So again, like I said, they, they've acknowledged it. And I think a lot of it is like, Hey, Brian's got a family now. We're going to keep him away from this like death defying action or whatever. Like, so I think they've sort of found themselves an out to be able to acknowledge him without having to show him very much. And maybe we'll get another thing like that. Who knows? Yeah, I, I one thing I don't expect is for them to kill Brian off in some way, even though that would be like a really emotional uh, way to drive the plot. It, it just seems like wrong to do. No, there's no way. Although you got to wonder with how good some of this AI stuff is getting, if they're not going to have like a thing where like Vin Diesel gets a call from Brian and you hear his voice or something. You know what I mean? Like you got to wonder if that's not on the table at this point. For sure. Okay, I want to talk about a lot of the stuff that's going at going on at CinemaCon. There's been some announcements. There's some a lot of footage being shown, but we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Okay, actually, before we get to CinemaCon, I wanted to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. James Gunn and the crew are out doing press. They've uh, some people have actually seen the movie. Uh, there was actually uh, some early buzz coming from where was it? Like Paris or? Somewhere I don't know. Europe. I think it was just like a. I think it was. I think there was a. I think it was a Paris premiere, but I also think they just had a, a press screening or something. But uh, but all the buzz is really good. It looks like. Yeah. Uh, the one big piece of news coming out of this is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three contains Marvel Cinematic Universe's first f bomb. I'm you know I'm not going to say where it comes or you know where 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 it lies in there. But James Gunn is tweeting about it, and uh, you know. Uh, so, um, well, it's a PG thirteen movie. You so PG thirteen movie can have one f bomb, right? Um, Typically, that's the it's it's like an unwritten rule. And uh, James Gunn said uh, that said it wasn't planned. I told 
blank. I'm not going to say the character to add it on set. And it just made the moment funnier. So we kept it in. So uh, what do you think of this? Like, I, I feel like Marvel, everybody had to assume that Marvel was never going to have an F-bomb. Like, you know, even when, you know, Disney bought Fox, people were like, oh, Deadpool will never be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, you know, he's too raunchy, too, there's too many squares, too many, all that stuff. But it, but they're kind of pushing the edge here. Now, actually having an F-bomb in the movie. What are your thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy? finally introducing the f-bomb into the mcu we've gone through movies where trillions of people were murdered i think an f-bomb's okay <laughs> like uh, i don't know you know what i mean and i think yeah. if, if any i think if any franchise cause I, think, I think it has to make sense right and i think that if any franchise like these are space pirates of sorts you know what i mean like who yes they've saved the world but they sort of exist in the gray area so like yeah i can picture someone like Peter Quill absolutely dropping an F-bomb or I can picture Rocket dropping an F-bomb. Like it's not, it, it doesn't feel out of character for them. And that's the big thing is I just don't like it when it's out of character. But like as someone who reads, who's read a lot of different Marvel comics, yeah, like Deadpool comics have F-bombs in them. And sometimes these other comics do, but like it's it's not really in character for Spider-Man to do it all the yeah. time or whatever, you know what I mean? So it's like, as long as it makes sense and like it's not over the top or or, or unnecessary, like, and I, and I think James Gunn has a pretty good, sense of story in these characters so if he felt it was worth it why not yeah i, I mean i could see both sides of this i could see like a parent that you know their kids loves love the mcu movies and uh they've seen every one of them so far they love the guardians but you don't want to have them see a movie with with the f uh swear word i guess i'll say um but on the other hand i mean <sighs> it's hard to imagine a kid nowadays not hearing that like being Ugh, you know I, having it, it, it's such TikTok a talk and youtube yeah it's such a minority of kids that would be because it's like again like if, if a kid's seen all of these movies they've seen so much worse than an f-bomb you know what i mean like so much worse so yeah, yeah it's 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 i don't know i will that say that get, that gets to the extreme censorship argument that i'm not a huge fan of but yeah but i i actually like the constraints of the pg-13 rating and having it limit to this one use because you got to be creative number one you got to be creative with it number two you, you, you know you use it every other sentence it like because you become desensitized to it if like you use it in a big moment it can add a dramatic weight to that moment that was you know that couldn't otherwise be there so um I don't know. I'm for it, I guess. <laughs> no, it makes sense. It's also like one of my favorite things. Every once in a while, there's a you'll see that meme goes around um, like PG-13 movies are allowed one F-bomb. Where would you put one in Star Wars? And everyone has these suggestions of where like an F-bomb would have been like <laughs> best used in Star Wars. And, uh, you know, like so that's a fun argument. To, but, yeah, no, I, I again, it's like it, it's all relative. And I agree with you about the PG-13 constraints thing. But like, again, it's all a matter of if it makes sense and it's not like they're going crazy with there's one f-bomb in this movie you know cool yeah um okay let's talk about cinemacon cinemacon is going on in las vegas right now yesterday they did the sony presentation today they did the warner brothers presentation there's more coming on uh later this week uh it's tonight the flash the premiere of the flash movie or is that yeah tomorrow? that's in like a couple of hours i think yeah. Um, um, so we'll be getting reactions. Uh, Steve Weintraub from uh, Collider already revealed that there is no social embargo and Warner Brothers is letting people post reactions right away. So they clearly have a lot of confidence in the movie. Well, David Zadlow says it's the best superhero movie he's ever seen. 
Why would Warner Brothers CEO have any motivation to say something like that? <laughs> okay, so we obviously are not there. And a lot of what CinemaCon is, is watching, uh, getting previews of footage, uh, writing reactions and uh, uh, recapping those that footage. Ben Pearson is on assignment there in Las Vegas. And there, we have a ton of coverage on the site. Yeah, have, you, have you been to CinemaCon, Peter? Yes, it's incredible. Oh, it's the one. It's my. It is like the one. I, I, I have tried to beg, borrow, and steal my way into that thing. I want to go so bad one day. <sighs> we got to get you in there next year. Yeah, get me in there one of these years. <laughs> I want to get there so bad. But uh, it, it's crazy. It's like Comic Con, but it's for movie exhibitors. So it's like it, instead of like them hyping up like some big reveal in a comic book movie, it's like this movie is going to bring butts into your theaters, and they're going to buy popcorn, and everybody like cheers, and it's like kind of weird, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, but okay, but th they do show a lot of stuff. They do reveal a lot of stuff. So let's go over some of the stuff we can talk about because obviously we didn't see the footage, but there were some reveals in some of the footage and there were some uh, announcements and stuff. So I guess let's start with uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe adjacent, the Spider-Verse. Let's talk about Craven the Hunter, which it turns out is actually going to be R-rated. I did not actually expect this. It makes sense. As uh, I, this should be noted, is essentially in the Venom verse that that Sony's putting together. Like, um, but it's weird that Venom is PG thirteen and Craven the Hunter is R. Yeah, our very own Eric Vespi pointed that out yesterday. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, it's it is weird, but I don't think Craven. I Craven's Spider Man is my favorite superhero. He has and and I maybe the best Rogues Gallery in comics only rivaled by Batman. Like it, it Spider-Man's Rogues Alley is incredible and Craven is among the best. Craven is an excellent villain. I don't know that he needed his own movie, but if you're going to do it, like do it. And so I I buy this. Like I buy like and especially uh, JC Chandor the director, like if you saw like Triple Frontier and then I think he did A Most Violent Year was his other movie. Um like he's a great director, I think. And so like I'm like cool, let him off the chain. Don't don't give the guy constraints. Like if you're going to do this, I don't know if it's going to be good, but at least do do something interesting. And I think this is a bit more interesting. Yeah. So you can go to Ben's article and read the footage description and the reaction. But I think uh, one of the more interesting things, there, there's two things. They reveal a Spider-Man villain that's going to be in this film. And I'm sure they're going to reveal this in the trailer. So it's not a, a spoiler. Um, well, it uh, was in the trailer that they showed. It's it's not a spoiler at all. Like they're they're coming out on Front Street with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is Rhino, who I guess appeared in, uh, what was it, one of the Andrew Garfield The Amazing Spider-Man 2, played by Paul Giamatti in one of his most delightfully <laughs> wacky performances ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, apparently they're bringing Rhino back. We don't know. We, they didn't reveal who was playing Rhino, did no, they? No, it didn't. There was like a line set off screen, but one of the bits in the footage description said that you could like see his skin turning gray. So it's clear that they're not doing like the big mechanical suit again. Like they're going with, you know, more of like a hulking, you know, the, the character in the comics is like a very comic booky villain, but it seems like they're going to try to do something. I, I like comic booky. Yeah, I like Rhino a lot, by the way. Like, I, I like, like, your sort of brooding villains that don't, like, like your, 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 um, your juggernauts of the world, your rhinos of the world. So I'm excited to hear this. Yeah, they're just very hard to do in live action when, you know, the live action films have, for the most part, been trying to, in recent years, been trying to be more grounded 
uh, I guess the Spider-Verse. Uh, but this makes sense. This makes yeah. sense for a character like Craven, right? Like, because he's all about the most dangerous game, Hunter. So, yeah, you have a character named Rhino. You have a giant Rhino Man. Of course, why not? You know, because the other <laughs> villain, which has been confirmed, too, in the casting, like, Chameleon's in this as well. So, like, you know, th- those both make sense for, for a guy like Craven. Yeah. Uh, so, in the footage, you know, we, we learned that it's an R- the first uh, R-rated Marvel movie. Um, and... The footage was very, it's said to be very violent. Uh, I think uh, Ben described it as a medley of violence. Uh, Craven snaps a bear trap closed on some guy's head, shoots another guy in the chest with a crossbow, leaps through the air at a flying helicopter and throws a spear at another guy sitting in it. And apparently it opens with him biting a guy's nose off. (laughs) So like, and also we should note that if you don't know Aaron Taylor Johnson of, uh, kick-ass fame and a bunch of other things he's playing craven uh more recently in bullet train um has been heavily rumored to be possibly the next james bond that's by no means confirmed but that's been that's been in the rumor mill for some time yeah um warner brothers also announced that the the well they showed a logo for beetlejuice too too. so i guess i mean this has been in development for a while but i guess now that's that's as close to an announcement right they're not going to go to CinemaCon and show a title card for beetlejuice 2 unless they're really making the damn movie yes no i i I agree but uh we don't know anything more than that right we just know beetlejuice Uh, 2 a little bit ago it was uh again this was like industry reports not warner brothers confirming it but jenna ortega was said to be circling the lead role uh, which makes a lot of sense because she worked with like Tim Burton on Wednesday and you she's can easily, so perfect. So right, you, perfect. Can, you can easily like I, it's one of those. I was talking to Jacob about this, I think, where it was like you, every once in a while, like there's something that seems so correct and but so obvious, like the <laughs> parallel between like a Jenna Ortega and, you know, Lydia Dietz, right? Like I'm not saying she's playing Lydia Dietz, but like she could be Lydia Dietz's daughter. She could be whatever, but like, it makes so much sense. Like it just makes way too much sense to not happen. Um, so yeah, I think, I think when Burton worked with her on Wednesday, it must've been like, mm, maybe now's the time. Well, that's the question. Like it does her involvement in this, her possible involvement in this confirm that Tim Burton is going to return to direct. I would imagine Warner brothers wouldn't do it if he wasn't involved in some way. I'm not certain he would direct, but maybe he would come on as a producer. And will Michael Keaton return to play? The- I don't think they make this unless they get Keaton to do it. But Keaton now at this point, like if they got him to come back for all that Morbius crap, of course he'll do Beetlejuice. <laughs> Are you saying he has low standards in his days? No, I'm not saying that at all. I just think that like, I think that, it, I think that as he's getting into this twilight of his career, like I yeah. think that like if anyone's going to do his roles again, like in the way that I think Harrison Ford is pretty protective of Indiana Jones. Like, I don't think Keaton's going to watch as some other dude come does comes and does Beetlejuice. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he's not going to be like, he's going to be like, no, like, I don't know if the movie's going to be good, but he's like, I'm sure as hell going to be good as Beetlejuice. Well, the other thing is like, you know, he reprised his role as Batman and it's like, you'd think he'd be more protective of, of that than probably Beetlejuice. Uh, or actually maybe not because maybe Beetlejuice I think both more, of those are yeah. two that he would be pretty yeah. protective of if I were to guess. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and so, and so, yeah, I think that like at this point in his career, he's probably at a point where it's like, why not? Right. Like, why not, you know, take a crack at it? I can't, I, I don't imagine he's going to love sitting through all that makeup, but like, but, but you know, it, it, uh, yeah. I mean, I look, I don't know. I, I, I think Beetlejuice is among Tim Burton's best movies. And I think Michael Keaton is one of the very best we have. And 
I don't know if the movie's going to be good, but the idea of seeing Keaton back as Beetlejuice, it's hard not to get a little bit like excited about something like that happening. Tim Burton's early works are just so like masterpieces. They, they are all incredible. And I think I, if I, you look over that man's filmography, he's been pretty good. Later in his career, I feel like, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if it's the thing that he has less to say, or maybe he's already used like the, the ideas and the themes and the, the things early on in his career. But for me, like his later career, I, I feel less of a connection to it. And also when, when it is good, like when it Wednesday, it feels like he's almost trying to channel his early career. If that makes sense. That's fair. I, I mean, I guess I was going to say big fish, but that was 20 years ago now. So it's not even like yeah. that was recent, but cause that's like my second, maybe my second favorite timber. I don't know. Big I fish am also a huge Mar- yeah. Big fish is really good. Then Mars attacks is up there for me too, even though that, but, but yeah, it's a, I don't know. Again, I, I will see, I, I would be interested to, to see how this goes. Yeah. And they also confirmed the title for the conjuring four. So what is the title going to be? Yeah, so um, this one might have a little bit more meat on the bones right now because uh, uh, there there had been talk previously of James Wan saying that The Conjuring 4 might be the end of it, like the main Conjuring franchise. So the title is The Conjuring Last Rites. And um, if you're calling something Last Rites, then yeah. it might be like the end. It kind of feels like they're setting this up for like an end for, for Ed and Lorraine Warren here, which would be kind of interesting. It, it, it kind of has the vibes of like the last crusade, which we all know is the last and final Indiana Jones movie. They never made another one. <laughs> it does a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, so we'll see. But like, but like, you know, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga have been playing these parts for a decade now. Like it, there's other stories you can tell. You don't need them around for all of them. Um, I think it would be fair to like, let that, let that go and, and, you know, continue to expand the universe if you see fit. Yeah. Okay. Let's get. Uh, they did release a trailer for The Flash at CinemaCon, and they, it's released online, so you can actually go check it out. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, I'm not sure if how much there is to say about this trailer because I, I feel like they've already shown quite a bit promoting this film. Did you watch the trailer? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it's awesome. I it, mean, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot of. There's a lot of movie in that trailer, man. That oh is, yeah. That, I mean, it's, it's, a, and I mean, my God, you know, it's like when they said they were bringing Michael Keaton back as Batman, I'm like, okay, he'll be in it for like 10 minutes. He's like, he's like, he's going to be in it more than the flash. It looks like it looks almost more like a Batman movie that has, that happens to the flash in it. Uh, I think you said it in our, our Slack channel, but you're like, they start out with this trailer oh, revisiting I, the fact that Batman lost his, his parents as a kid. Peter, I don't know if you've ever read, do you, did you know that Batman's parents are dead? I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't super aware of that before. I'm glad they brought it up in the trailer because I might have forgot that Batman's well, parents are dead. Yeah, but I think what they're doing here, and it's probably probably more impactful in the in the movie, is it's relating it to the Flash's struggle and what why he chooses to go back in time and try to change things, right? Like it's mm, Dead Parents he, Club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you not expect them to talk about that? No, if, of course they are. It's just that the last thing I want is for them. The first thing they say is, Hey, by the way, my parents are so dead. Like, and, that, and that's, and that's motivated everything I've ever done. We know Batman. We know, like, I'm so, there was nothing. There's no moment in the last 10 years, me being in a theater that I was more annoyed than when 
Joker did the Batman parent death thing, like when it didn't need to happen. And so I just get a little bit like exhausted. Like we know, we know your parents are dead. Um, but yeah, I do. I do think I totally thematically get it. I just wish they hadn't opened the trailer with that. But other than that, I thought it was a pretty cool trailer. Yeah, I'm so hyped for this movie, and I'm sure after tonight's, you know, screening at CinemaCon, everybody's going to be hyped for this movie. It's it, it seems like it's a winner, uh, yeah, despite well, what you know everybody big, thinks about Ezra well, and that whole situation. That's my big thing: is what do they do after this? Do they keep Ezra? Do they <sighs> cast? Do they, I, that's my big thing because I think it's pretty clear at this point. They, you can feel something in the air. This movie's good. You know what I mean? And, and like, and, and I don't think that they have a bad movie on their hands. And so what do you do? I think, I think what they're going to do, which I don't think is the correct answer here, but I think what they're going to do is hope that the Ezra thing quiets down and, and peters out. Do you know what I mean? I think they're yeah, hoping they, that by the time they, also, they have, they have to make a then, decision. Right, but then they also have to hope that, like, if they keep him on board, that, like, or uh, they, sorry, them, they, yeah, they, them. they, sorry, I'm so sorry about that, but, uh, but if if they keep Ezra on board, that Ezra can keep it together, like, and I hope nothing but the best for anyone who's had struggles and mental issues, but, but there was a pretty long series of really rough things going on, so like, you know, there, there it'd probably take a while to build some confidence that Ezra is actually genuinely okay. Yeah, I don't know how you deal with that. Uh, I mean, Warner Brothers is dealing with a lot of that. They, you know, J.K. Rowling and everything going on over in that, and they're them basically rebooting the Harry Potter franchise. And I think they did. Did they comment? Uh, wasn't someone asking Zasloff about that on one of the earnings call? I think it was uh, the head of marketing. Well, it was some. It was one of the head guys at Warner Brothers, and they they kind of had a not super great response yeah. to to that whole thing and yeah i don't know i i yeah, I, I, I i find it best for me to not talk about that harry potter show because i i <laughs> but uh but yeah i i hear what you're saying yeah yeah i, I just think warner brothers is taking that approach you know throughout all their franchises of like you know let's we're not going to comment on it we're going to move on like it never happened and i th- that's not the best approach um but i don't i also don't know what you do you they had a film like at least with the flash uh, you know, with Harry Potter, you could just not make right, but Harry I, but I think that like, but I think that like we've seen evidence of like huge superhero recastings in the past, and nobody bats an eye. Like Mark yeah. Ruffalo is the Hulk, and some of that stuff. So I feel like, you know, you could you could recast the guy, like if if, if you need to. Yeah, but but I don't think they're prepared to do that. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, okay, uh, you know, we, we're going long on this episode, Ryan, but like any other CinemaCon thoughts? I know they announced a sequel to The Pope's Exorcist, which I never even saw the first one. Yeah, that just came out like a week and a half ago, but but it's doing pretty well at the box office. So uh, expect more Pope uh, Pope uh, centric exorcisms in your future uh, with Oscar winner Russell Crowe doing said exorcisms. Um, uh, I, I will tell you this uh, in having relayed from Ben. Did you see the Meg, Peter, the giant shark movie? Yes. Okay. Yes. It was fun. The Meg 2 footage, I sort of wrote up Ben's description for us for the site. Um, It sounds like like someone gave Ben Wheatley a $150 million budget and said, go make a movie for Ryan. Um, And uh, yeah, I absolutely cannot wait now. Like, I like that first movie, but this one sounds like, oh my God, like the guy who made free fire just made like a just spent a studio check to make a movie for me and i'm like okay 
Hell ben, yeah. Ben Wheatley was like Ryan Ryan Scott. And I've always wanted to make a movie for Ryan Scott. Oh, my Scott. God. He, he gave Free Fire a really nice review. <laughs> I should totally spend $150 million making him happy. Um, and, and by the yeah. way, when, when you said you wrote up Ben's footage, we should probably explain how things work uh, behind the scenes at Slash Film. Uh, so Ben is there in the uh, in the showcase where they're showing all the stuff. And they go like, bam, bam, bam. Like, you know, there's not time in between them showing stuff. So basically Ben will be there and he'll write up a quick uh, description, which sometimes will be full of <laughs> typos and stuff or at least when i was there it was full of typos i'm not sure uh and then he'll send it to us and we, we have a whole team in the back end that actually picks it up and is able to you know ask ben questions and expand you know basically expand it to a functional post that can be right uh, so, so we'll kind of take his notes and, and turn it into a bit of an article and but for the record ben is extremely good at this like yes. ben is ben will send you stuff and he's sitting in a very dark room with his laptop screen dimmed to almost nothing and typing like by not looking at his hands and what he delivers is <laughs> like nothing shy of uh, impressive. So good on you, Ben. But uh, I will say his description of that Meg two footage I, that moved way up my list of most anticipated movies of the year. And I hardly cared before this. So um, I am like ready to go. By the way, I'm not going to say there's an art to a lot of uh, covering like these big events, but there's an art to like, being in a convention or something like this and being able to type what's happening on the screen as it happens to go to your computer right now and try to like, you know, put on the trailer and try to like type what's happening in the put trailer. On a trailer you've never seen. And yeah, yeah. have to like, and turn the lights off and don't look at your keys. And, and yeah, it's cause I've, I've had to do this at like San Diego comic-con and some <laughs> other stuff I've done. And it's like, there is absolutely an art to it. Okay, uh, Dune 2, they showed the trailer. That's not online, but uh, it seems like they're, they're promising it's going to be more action-packed. Uh, this time this, uh, they have a sandworm, which is practical, 100% uh, shot on IMAX cameras. Is there anything you want to say about Dune 2? It's best I don't speak about Dune anymore. After, uh, oh, after no. uh, what I, I was not, I did not much care for Dune, and that's all I'll say about it. And uh, and I'm, I, I, hey, I'm all, if the new one looks great, I'm there, but yeah. but I, I I was pretty underwhelmed by Dune, uh, even though that was very much in our circles one of those movies that everybody loved. Yeah, I think also it uh, they said it it begins like moments after the end of the like right after the end of the first film. Oh, that's weird. So the first one does feel like half a movie. Got it. Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. I mean, it is, but I, I don't. Yeah, whatever. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, they showed Wonka, which is kind of like the origin story for Willy Wonka, and I think the big reveal here. You can you can go read Ben's coverage and see what he saw. There was like a some footage and stuff, but the big reveal here is there's Oompa Loompas, and one of them is played by Hugh Grant. I did not expect Hugh Grant to play an Oompa Loompa. Oh boy, Hugh Grant is sure having. He doesn't seem like he's having fun making movies right now, but he's sure making a lot of them. Um, <laughs> like I don't know if you read any interviews with him, but he just seems like low key miserable <laughs> making movies right now. But it's like he's doing. He's back like doing big stuff. So good for him, I guess. And then they uh, shoot some stuff from Aquaman, and we learned that in this new movie, he has a young baby. And that the Black Mantis attacks Atlantis with a ancient weapon named the Black Trident. Yeah, Black Manta on the on the prowl. Yeah. This strikes me very much like Thor: The Dark World. Uh, it sounds like Aquaman and Orm are teaming up against like a new threat. I don't know. It really sounds a lot like Aquaman: The uh, uh, Thor: The Dark World to me, um, for better <laughs> or worse. Uh, it, 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 the, the, what I 
what I what I read. I I mean I don't I don't know that James Wan is capable of making a movie uh, that underwhelming, but you know, like well we'll see. But but I but it plot wise, it seems similar to that. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be going with that whole like everybody trying to recreate Empire. It to be like you know kind of darker and like. But was there anything else from CinemaCon so far in the first like? day of CinemaCon that you wanted to mention. I think that pretty much covers the bigger ones. I mean, there's a lot, again, Warner Brothers showed a lot of stuff, so there could be some stuff we, we met, but, uh, but yeah, that was like, I think that was the bigger stuff for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, one thing they didn't show is I think Zasloff had promised that James Gunn was going to, and Pete Saffron, were going to kind of like talk more about their 10 year plan for the DC. Uh, what is it called now? DCU? Just the DC universe. Yeah. Just, just straight up. Yeah, he kind of made a promise up front that didn't really get delivered on, I guess. <laughs> so that's weird. But I guess uh, maybe his promise was like they're going to show some stuff from that, and they did show some stuff. Yeah, I mean, I but. think I think they've announced plenty, and I don't think Gunn and Saffron are going to jump the gun more than they have to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, go to SlashFilm.com. There is tons of coverage from Ben, uh, sometimes uh, written up by other people here in the SlashFilm news desk. Uh, it, there's a ton and it, there's more coming too because tonight obviously there's the flash and then uh what is tomorrow disney we got universal and disney tomorrow uh, so disney during the day and then and then universal tomorrow evening so tomorrow's a big day yeah so stay tuned you can find all the links on slashfilm.com you can find this podcast slashfilm daily on apple google overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps please send us your feedback questions comments concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com and please rate and read this podcast and apple podcast tell your friends spread the word And we'll see you uh, probably not tomorrow, but maybe on Thursday.